welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. As I speak, court cases in the US and other nations are addressing possible criminality connected to the COVID pandemic, including allegations of illegal lockdowns causing widespread economic disasters and loss of life, using unreliable tests to determine who was infected and to inflate the numbers of the infected, the suppression of cheap, effective early treatment drugs by health and government officials, and crimes against humanity, including experimenting on an entire population using unproven gene therapy in the form of vaccinations that are not FDA approved, but only authorized for emergency use because officials say effective treatments are not available. My guest today is a US Senator who is regularly vilified in the press for asking questions and making statements that question the official narratives about COVID and the pandemic. He was even suspended on YouTube for spreading, quote, medical misinformation about COVID. So why is Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin out there regularly taking hits from the mainstream, mainstream press who regularly call him a conspiracy theorist? For one thing, his sources are not official sources, like Fauci at all. His sources are first and foremost, frontline doctors treating COVID patients with no other agenda but to cure those patients. Senator Johnson, who served as chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, and is now the ranking member of the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, is here today to talk about what he's experienced while seeking the truth about various aspects of this declared pandemic, and to discuss for what, if anything, he'd seek justice and accountability. Welcome, Senator Johnson. Look, Christina, glad to be with you. So I see that they're taking a whack at you again for what you said about uh, the VAERS uh, vaccine adverse reaction statistics. But before we talk about that, because that's a recent thing, but I, I wanna talk about these two letters that you wrote. You wrote one to Fauci, which you signed alone. And then you wrote another one to the head of the NIH, which was co-signed with several other senators and uh, the congressman from Wisconsin. So could you, first of all, talk about the earliest letter that was written, which was to Fauci? Well, I, I write an awful lot of letters and I have to admit, I didn't get uh, briefed exactly what you wanted me to talk about this. You know, but basically what uh, I want to know out of Dr. Fauci is what he knew and when he knew it. I think it's been pretty obvious since the, uh, start of the pandemic that uh, I, I believe this virus probably sprang out of the lab in Wuhan. The, the evidence has been hiding in plain sight, but the media was censoring it. You, you couldn't talk about it. Anybody that, you know, Tom Cotton was the first one to talk about the, the fact that the Wuhan you know, Institute of Virology actually was in Wuhan and that's where this uh, virus sprang from. And of course he was vilified in the media. And then you had people like Peter Daszak and others immediately spring to uh, uh, go on offense and basically say that there's there's no way this could have uh, uh, occurred from a lab leak. This, this was naturally occurring. Of course, they were just covering their tracks. Um, but the, the evidence has been out there in terms of the, the funding from the NIH and Dr. Fauci's uh, agency for gain of function research uh, through uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hills and, and uh, uh, Professor Barrick uh, cooperating with 
Dr. Xi from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I mean, it's, it's been pretty obvious to most people who are knowledgeable for quite some time, but you, you just couldn't talk about it. It was, it was one of those taboo subjects. Why is it a taboo subject? I mean, it's, it's at the crux of, of what happened. So why is it taboo? Well, that's part of the $64 question, uh, the why of all of this. You know, why uh, were Fauci and so many other people completely opposed and, and did nothing in terms of uh, exploring and researching repurposed drugs to be early treatment therapies? Uh, I can't explain that. You know, it certainly makes an awful lot of sense why Fauci would do everything he could to cover his tracks in terms of his funding of gain of function research. If that really did result in the knowledge in the Wuhan Institute of Virology that created this uh, uh, virus that created this pandemic, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people lost their lives because of this pandemic. Uh, who, who would ever want to own up to even potentially, uh, unintentionally uh, contributing something like that? So you can understand the, the cover up there. And then, you know, why, why the news media and the social media is so enamored with Fauci and these government agencies and are, in, in this case, uh, whether you're talking about vaccines or or uh, remdesivir, uh, why the news media and, and social media is so backing the pharmaceutical companies in, in their effort to make sure that the cheap generic drugs aren't, aren't utilized. I mean, I, I can't answer these questions. I have suspicions, but- uh, What are your suspicions? Well, for example, repurposed drugs, you have uh, ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, incredibly safe drugs been used for decades. And yet uh, I, I would say early, uh, studies were were designed to fail, but they cost like 20 bucks a piece. Remdesivir costs over $3,000 to treat a patient. Uh, I, I've got the data from uh, uh, the Bayer system in terms of uh, adverse effects and, and potential deaths. Uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are incredibly safe versus even Tylenol, much less remdesivir. Uh, but there's, there's no money in it for the drug companies. And... Uh, if you're really pushing vaccines, if there's an effective therapy, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to get an emergency use authorization on an experimental vaccine if you have an effective therapy. Is that, is that what was happening here? Again, it makes no sense uh, overall macroeconomically. I mean, it, it well, costs what, pennies what on the dollar. What you just said kind of does make, make it make sense, right? Again, not, not from an overall macroeconomic standpoint, but from a microeconomic standpoint for pharmaceutical executives, uh, companies who want to make a couple billion dollars, I guess it makes sense. But if we could have brought this pandemic to an end, if, if we could have you know, quelled the fear so we weren't living a state of fear now for 18 months by effective early treatment, uh, we, have, we would not have had trillions of dollars of economic devastation and the human toll of that economic devastation but Christina, that's one of the things that is going to prevent uh, the use of the repurposed drugs, even in the future, even when we're going to need them, is because the people that suppress this information, the people that censored it, the people that resisted early treatment, uh, they will never admit they're wrong. Wait a second. It, go ahead. Look, let me just, not that I'm saying outright that these people are murderers. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, okay? But if you think someone has murdered one or more people or been responsible for a huge thing, don't you think that person should be investigated? In any other case, 
like you're talking about certain certain facts that raise questions that make connections that to my mind if i as an investigator because i'm an investigative reporter i would say well those connections need to be investigated on an official level because if the if if the people who are in charge of managing this declared pandemic are actually involved in you know suppressing medications that are effective and pushing vaccines that are that are um, experimental and could have possible very adverse effects, et cetera, et cetera. That would, to me, if I were a law enforcement person, I'd say, I need to look into that person. I need to look into who that person's connected to. I need to look into the history of this person's uh, connection to anything having to do with this. So obviously this has occurred to you. Why has it not occurred to a lot of other people? I mean, I hear Rand Paul saying, well, maybe Fauci should be fired. I don't hear anybody saying maybe Fauci at all should be investigated. Well, I think you start those investigations from a congressional standpoint with oversight letters. Uh, and again, I, I've been in the investigation business now as chairman of Homeland Security for six years, uh, made some progress, uncovered some information, but it's, it's, you uncover this at a snail's pace. The, the, the government agencies, even when you have a Republican president that wants the information out, found it almost impossible to get information out, for example, on the corrupt investigation by the FBI. So government agencies do not want to reveal their secrets. And somebody like Fauci, who's been in his position for decades, uh, you know, he, he's in control of the information and he's in, still still there. And so they're going to do everything they can to cover it up. They, look, what, at how success, look at how successful they were over the, the course of a year at completely quashing what I think most knowledgeable people kind of understood that this this almost certainly was a lab leak out of the Wuhan lab, but you know we didn't want to talk about it because we for sure wanted to all blame China. And certainly one of the motivations would be where well, we really don't want to be pointing any fingers at anybody inside the United States when we, we really do want to lay, lay all the blame in China. By the way, China is guilty as charged. Regardless of what the, the origination was, they knew it. They stopped uh, air, airplane travel within China, but they allowed uh, airplane travel to the rest of the world, they, they allowed the rest of the world to get infected with this. So regardless of exactly where this uh, started and how it was started, uh, China is guilty. They need to be held account. Well, but the what we're looking at here is China may be guilty, but obvious there's sort of suppression of information and there's certainly about you know, connections of, of Fauci's connections to the Wuhan lab. Fauci, um, I mean, let's face it, he's been around for a long time and he was the one who was funding gain of function, the gain of function um, uh, technology that was sent to the Wuhan lab when he was told that this kind of research is uh, it's sidling up to being illegal and against the uh, bioweapons convention, correct? Well, they certainly stopped. They had a moratorium on gain of function, but it seemed like this funding continued to uh, uh, well, wasn't be car it farmed, carried out. Wasn't it farmed out to Wuhan? 
Right. If you I can't mean, through, do it here, farm it out to over there. Yeah, I through, mean, Peter, through Peter Daszak, who then was appointed by the uh, uh, World Health Organization to investigate where the uh, virus sprang from. So, I mean, the conflicts of interest here are obvious. And yes, we need to investigate this. Uh, you've got to try and uncover things kind of step by step. And so we, we've written a, a number of oversight letters to start at least uh, asking the questions that hopefully investigative journalists will continue to dig into as well. One, one thing I learned as a congressional investigator, Congress has very limited powers when it when all said and done of actually uncovering information. Whistleblowers yeah. are not, because whistleblowers don't believe their confidentiality is going to be maintained. Uh, we can issue subpoenas, but we have no way to enforce them virtually. You know, we have to go through contempt of Congress. Even if you hold somebody in contempt of Congress, then you need the Justice Department to uh, prosecute. And no matter who the, uh, uh, who, no matter who's in, in charge, Justice Department is very uh, reluctant to engage in those type of political prosecutions. So what, it's, I'm, I'm just trying wait, to lay out wait, the fact what I've learned over the last six years. Wait, why is it a political prosecution if you go to the Justice Department with evidence of this possible um, engagement in, in what is clearly, if it's, if you really extrapolate it out, it's a global crime against humanity. Why Again, are you, I, I don't understand. And, and the other thing that struck me about what you just said is that the system is rigged against accountability. In other words, it is. You, are, you are hamstrung for you to say, first of all, for you to say that you are dependent on, on say the press for information, for do, doing investigations, is saying that you have no one to rely on in the press because the, the press, the press that have resources for the most part, which are the mainstream press, they're, they're on board with the official sources. They always, they always have been. Yeah, so, so Christine, I'm, I'm talking in general what I've learned over the course of a number of investigations over six years, right. how, frust how frustrating it was how difficult it was even through a committee process to get a subpoena. Uh, once you had the subpoena, almost impossible to enforce it. The agencies know how to uh, you know, play the oh, long man. game and, and drag, drag their feet. It's just very difficult. So what I've found in doing this over six years is an investigative and an inquisitive press are, are the ones that, that really break the story. I mean, I, I could talk about the Hunter Biden uh, computer uh, leak. We, under, we knew about that. Uh, it was offered to us, but I could not take possession of a computer disk drive that I didn't know that that person uh, held legally. And so we go to the FBI to determine what they knew about it. They didn't give us squat. In the couple of weeks where it took us to kind of go through that due diligence process, uh, the, computer sh the computer repair shop owner uh, got a little antsy and decided to turn that over to the New York Post, which is fine. I mean, it got revealed, but the New York Post and journalists don't have to go through all the due diligence that, for example, a committee chairman has to go through to, to verify it, to make sure, you know, particularly, let's face it, uh, during that time frame, I'm being accused of, of not only disseminating Russian disinformation, but actually soliciting it. Nothing could have been further from the truth, but you have to be very careful well, when you're doing these things why in the political realm. Have, why could you not have accepted it, reviewed it and say, and, and said, uh, no, this, this, you know, we can't verify this, or yes, we can. Why could you not have accepted? Well, again, 
I think over time, having gone through the due diligence, we could have done that, but you just can't accept it overnight. Again, again I, that's, it's the kind of meticulous care that I thought as chairman of the committee, we had to take in under, undertaking these investigations, particularly when our investigations are probably given more scrutiny by the mainstream media than the wrongdoing that we're investigating. Again, it's, it's, it's a political process and it's very difficult. But again, I'm talking in general about how you conduct these investigations and how the press is crucial in that investigation and holding people accountable process. I don't understand why a congressional investigation, even though obviously Congress is a, a political body, I don't understand why a, an investigation is a political process. An investigation should be an investigation. Wherever the cards fall is where they fall. You take people with you know, the expertise to conduct one and you let them go at it and see what happens. Because you have no power to enforce things. So as, as a ranking member of, of the chairman of the permanent subcommittee investigations, I have, no, I have no subpoena power. As chairman, I had limited subpoena power of the full committee because I had to get committee approval. Uh, and, and you need a majority vote on that. It just takes a, you know, one person on, on our side that is a little queasy about that investigation. I can't issue the subpoena. And then once you have the subpoena, the agencies know how to slow walk those things. Um, and there's no again, holding, you know, there's no holding the agencies accountable uh, for slow walking something. There's no mandated deadline because if you have a no. situation where people's lives are continuously at risk, people's lives are being lost, why shouldn't they have some kind of deadline to meet? Because it requires votes. It requires members of Congress to support what you're doing. And again, I'm talking about my investigations that did not have, certainly had no bipartisan support. Democrats didn't want to look into the Bidens. They didn't want to look into the FBI's uh, completely fraudulent investigation into Trump. So we had no Democrat support. And we certainly had Republicans that were somewhat queasy about it. So there was not even universal unanimous support on my, on, from my party to investigate some of these things. Uh, so again, if you have complete support to investigate something in Congress, uh, you can maybe get to the bottom of things. But if there's not unanimous support, and particularly not even within your own party, you have a really difficult uh, uh, task ahead of you because you have no enforcement mechanism. I don't want to get that hung up on, on, on well, this. No, I'm, I'm, just... I'm, very, I'm very interested in this because people invest a lot of hope in Congress. You know, they do. When they're up against it, like a lot of these lawyers are right now, a lot of these people who feel they've been victimized during this pandemic, they always want to turn to their congressmen. And so what you're saying is, is very important because you have to understand what the problem is before you can solve them. And I think that you're in the midst of discovering all the roadblocks and all the rigory involved in trying to do something that, that for you is a, a mission, a huge mission, because you're trying to protect, you're trying to protect your constituents and, and the American people and maybe the people around the world. But but you're describing a situation where, because understand something, when, I, I am not, I think I'm, <laughs> I don't know, one of maybe free journalists of the United States. I don't, I, I don't care about left or right. I don't care who's Republican, who's that. What I see 
what I see is a situation where potentially massive, massive criminal uh, conspiracy has occurred, possibly. I see certain earmarks and I have been investigating for a long time and investigating big, big stories. And I see all the earmarks. And so when I hear what you're saying and you're saying, you're coming back to me and saying, you know, we have to rely on the press. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, um, well, there has to be another way. And I'm thinking you, certainly you have spoken to these physicians who have told you about the suppression of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, you know, and that, that by itself to me is a crime. If you know these things, and, and especially if, if you are connected to people like Fauci is connected to Gates who funded bogus studies, okay, to give the impression that these drugs don't work. That to me is, is a conspiracy against anybody who has either died from COVID, has COVID, or can possibly be exposed to COVID. Would you not agree? So Christine, first of all, in sum, it's a lot easier to hide the ball than it is to find it. It's, it's a lot easier to hide it, okay? Uh, also, as an elected official, you know, somebody who has the responsibility uh, to, to be very, very accurate in, in what I say and the claims I make, uh, you know, as, as a journalist, you, you, can, you can kind of go down those rabbit holes and you can make those kind of statements. I, I need to be far more careful. Until I have absolute proof, I'm not going to make any kind of allegations. I can talk about what I'm looking at. I can talk about what I'm suspicious of. I can talk about what questions I have that are not, that are not answered. And that's where we started this. Is I, I, can't, I can't tell you the why. It, it, makes, it makes no sense to me. I, when I heard that there may be a drug called hydroxychloroquine that uh, could stop viral re replication or, or reduce the severity of, of uh, symptoms. I hopped right on that. And then I found all the roadblocks. First, it was being held up in the, in the stockpile. We broke that, the, the strategic uh, uh, stockpile. We, we broke that log jam. Then I heard about the prescription log jam because of Dr. Bright, who completely went against, completely insubordinate against Azar in trying to do a, a, a invest, a, 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 expanded access investigatory drug approval through the NIH and he instead went to an emergency use authorization that he had somebody work with him in, in the FDA that restricted the use of, of hydroxychloroquine, did the exact opposite of what Trump and Azar wanted to do. And you know that was the prescription log jam that poisoned the well on hydroxychloroquine together with fraudulent uh, uh, studies that were, they were published in the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine that'd be drawn in two, two weeks. But again, when, when I start talking about the restraints of Congress and why I say it, it has to start in the press because Congress is a political organization, if the press can uncover things and, and bring the public along so the public demands an investigation and the public demands accountability, now Congress has okay. the power to do it, okay? How about that's, this? that's all I was saying there. How about this? Forget the press. Why do I say forget the press? They are not the first-hand sources. Whatever the press is going to report, they're either going to get from an official source, 
or if they're really doing their job, they'll go to a first-hand source. Who is a first-hand source? Those frontline doctors who are treating those COVID patients are, are of great, should be of greater interest to Congress than the press who would be a second-hand source. So and, and Christina, you, Christina, who is the only chairman to put those doctors in the, you know, on the witness table and actually heard testimony? No, nobody else did. I did it in May. I brought in Johnny Anitas, I brought in Scott Atlas, I brought in Pierre Corey when his group was talking about using the use of corticosteroids. Nobody else was talking about that. Not the health committee. I'm, I'm chairman of Homeland Security, but I saw a need to do that. And then, of course, I brought McCulloch and, and Rich and, and George Frieden in November. And the New York Times wrote an op-ed labeled all of us the snake oil salesman of the Senate. Didn't deter me. I, in December, I brought Pierre Corey back in talking about ivermectin. So again, I've done that. I've been pushing the envelope on all of these issues and I have been vilified in the press. I've been attacked relentlessly. I mean, I just I got attacked yesterday for, for, on, for Monday for my press conference where we had real people telling their real stories about the neurological damage, the injury they incurred immediately after being vaccinated. And I just let them tell the stories. I, I, I drew no conclusion. I just gave them a form to tell the stories. And of course, uh, I'm being attacked for it. And Twitter is literally labeling the video of the mom who enrolled her children in a trial and her 12 and now 13 year old daughter has severe neurological harm from the, from the, the trial. Uh, they labeled her video, the little snigget, snippet as misleading. You know, go figure. Uh, so, so no, I, you know, again, I can't explain what's all happening, but I do know of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation quashing trials. I know Fauci's involvement with that. I mean, I, I know all, all kinds of things, but I've got to be able to connect the dots appropriately and have effective proof. Okay. But yeah, okay. I've, I've got I've got all kinds of suspicions, all kinds of things I'm okay. looking at. Okay. You have you say you have to connect the dots. And you're part of the investigative investigation committee. So you're telling me, you're telling me, and I, I have to understand this because I, I'm really trying to get to the bottom of this. That as part of the investigation committee, in doing your investigation, you cannot go to firsthand sources like the doctors, like the researchers, like the other doctors and researchers and lawyers too, who have already gathered a lot of this information and put them into complaints and petitions. You can't gather all that stuff up and- No, we, 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 we are, but you have to gather it in such a way so you actually tell a complete and accurate story. Again, again it's, it's right. easy to hide the ball. It's easy to hide the ball and you can't go out there and just be making all kinds of no, accusations I, without solid proof. I'm not saying that you should do that, but I am saying, for example, for example, the information that these frontline doctors have on their patients and what they use to treat their patients and what happened to their patients. I'm talking about Peter McCullough. I'm talking about Durso. I'm talking about the frontline doctors. If they come to you with their information, which is, I mean, they are where the rubber meets the road, especially when it comes to the early treatment stuff, they're where the rubber meets the road. If they come to you with 
an overwhelming uh, stack of and all the percentages. Okay, these are all my patients. This is what I do. You're telling me that you still consider that to be uh, like not not hard information, not hard evidence. To no, do I what? I mean, Chris, to, to do show, what? Listen, to that, 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 no, hard evidence to show that ivermectin, Zithromax, this package uh, that that you know early treatment package that they have effectively used, and say this could have gotten rid of the pandemic. Are you saying that that is not evidence enough to show that that the suppression, the active suppression of this? Of, of this information. Also, when you include the bogus studies that were put out, like the Lancet study, that that isn't enough to show malfeasance? Well, you have to define malfeasance, what the standards are to prove it. But you know, all that information is out there now. And, and a lot of it's out there because I made it public, because I gave these people a forum. And then they continued to you know, engage with the public on, on different uh, TV shows and, and radio shows, that type of thing. So a lot of this information is accumulated. Uh, but again, it's, you know, what are you trying to prove? I'm if, trying you're, to, if, you're, if, if you're trying to prove a they're, crime, they're I mean, we, we're, 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 probably, we're probably a long ways from proving any kind of crime. Right, right, now, I'll, I'll, I'll settle, right now, I'll settle for making the public aware of the fact that there are early treatment options that they again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical researcher, so I have to rely on the experts you're talking about that I am in contact with. And I try and make that information public. And again, I get slaughtered for it. I get attacked for it, no, but no, no, I no. don't care. You know, we're, we're trying to make that that information public so that the public is aware and they can act on that. You're, you want to take this to another level that, you know, I'm not even close to taking it to the they level that I think you want to take it to. These doctors themselves are saying that this information is being suppressed. Well, it's obviously being suppressed. My YouTube pages are being taken down. Exactly. You know, testimony of Dutch. So we know we know that. You know, so that's not that's not that that's, that's not criminal. That's not it's not criminal for these uh, companies to censor things. I think it's wrong. I think they're paying a price. We're making it you know the case publicly. It's not again, criminal for for health officials to lie about about the usefulness of these drugs when people are dying of COVID. I don't know what this, again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm is not it a prosecutor. Not, is it you're, not you're, 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 you're outside of my, you're outside of my, my uh, ability to really answer those questions. I, I'm trying to provide the public transparent information. I, I'm not a prosecutor. I'm not the Department of Justice. Uh, again, I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what well, crimes are when it comes your, to this type of thing. your investigation, I, I'm just asking you these things because I, I, I know that you're trying to get to the bottom of this and to do something about it. Should your investigation not include lawyers who can tell you what is and is not actionable information of the information that you have accrued through these congressional uh, hearings and so on, through the testimony of these physicians? I mean- So uh, again, we're, we're, we're dealing in the political realm versus the criminal realm, okay? I mean, there's, they're, they're, they are, they sometimes, combine okay but in general i'm dealing in the political realm and a political accountability now listen i have all kinds of people saying you know, we need to put hillary clinton in jail and i said listen i don't think that was going to happen um but i'll settle for the accountability of her actions being exposed 
And but currently, that's not that is accountability. But 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 it, but, it, but you know, Christine, it, it is. She lost. She lost the thing she wanted. She, she lost her election. That is political accountability. It may not satisfy you. It may not satisfy others. But there was exposure there, and there's political accountability. Now, if you expose things that could be criminal, that's where Congress will. At, you know, during our investigations, we will then refer things to the Justice Department for them to decide whether or not. But uh, isn't your prosecute. investigation? Isn't your investigative committee? Isn't that the job to investigate to see if not 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 necessarily crimes? Again, if when oh. we invest, you know, we are investigating uh, malfeasance. We're investigating uh, waste, fraud, abuse within government. Okay. Now, our our purpose is not to be criminal investigators, but in our congressional oversight, if we are aware of something that could be criminal, our our first step would be to refer that to the Justice Department. That, that's a pretty big step to take to refer a criminal referral out of Congress into the Justice Department. But again, that's not that's not our primary purpose. Our primary purpose is to investigate for to make the public aware of what's happening. Wow, I think a lot of people will be surprised to learn that. I think a lot of people think that that congressional investigative committees are set up to investigate crimes and malfeasance and to actually do something about them like refer them to the justice department well no so yeah yes we have that capability but it's it's again it completely depends on the investigation okay but again most investigations into waste fraud abuse uh malfeasance in office is not is not necessarily you know centered around some crime being committed it's it's malfeasance it's uh you know if it becomes misappropriation of funds i mean that could be a, that could be a crime and you that would be referred to justice department but so I, I, i'm just asking i'm not trying to you know so you're saying for example um nothing that fauci has done or said rise that you know of today rises to the level of malfeasance or criminal activity well malfe malfeasance is different than criminal activity well no no Again, i'm i know i know that and i'm just asking you know so no listen I, I, i'm not i'm not a fauci fan i haven't been for quite some time i think he's covering up his involvement in gain of function okay you know why did he you know why is he doing that well just publicly embarrassment, if nothing else. But I, I wouldn't want it on my conscience that something I funded ended up, you know, getting getting uh, you know educating people in China to develop a a deadly virus that killed hundreds of thousands of millions of people worldwide. I mean, I I could understand why somebody would want to cover that up. Is that criminal? I don't know. Uh, I, I I certainly don't have evidence to you know make those types of charges. Well, and again, again think... and again, it's it's not it's not the first thought in my mind. Is I'm as I'm trying to get answers to these questions. It's kind of one step at a time. And right now, what I'm trying to do with COVID, first and foremost, was try and save lives. Not not prosecute somebody, but try well, and save lives by getting case. information out on early treatment. You know, right now, in terms of the 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 VAERS report and what what we are seeing and the the warning signals being sent up by the VAERS system that are being ignored by the Collinses and the Fauci's and and uh, you know the current head of the CDC. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to raise those issues publicly so we can hopefully prevent future harm and, and save lives. 
that's that's what's on my mind. I, I personally think that's more important than you know nailing one individual with you know malfeasance. Um, or, the, or crime. the reason why Fauci is 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 uppermost in in the minds of many is because Fauci is the leading health official who is um, who who is determining what the policy is in terms of early treatment, these drugs, right. whether they're good or not. So. So he is part of that equation that you're talking about in terms of, you know, if 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 these frontline doctors and there are many of them and they're all over the world who are saying hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin with Zithromax, and I forget what the other drug is, it's a combination. When you use it, it knocks that stuff out, you know, even, right. even in patients that are in an advanced states of, of COVID, you've got the French, uh, the French group, uh, at the Mediterranean University, who have treated, you know, fourteen thousand—I don't know—thousands of more and, than. And, and, and again, Christina, I've been—I've been—I've been advocating for early treatment. I've been talking to all these doctors. I've been highlighting these studies for well over a year. No, so, I, I know. So, so, so I understand that, you know. Um, I know. But, so but again, my that, my point is, and when you said, you know, it's not about going after Fauci, Fauci, in just one, in just one news conference standing up could say you know what if we use these early treatment drugs you know we can get nip this pandemic in the bud and you know it'll be fine but he will never do that he will never do that you you know that and i know that and well, that was that was that was our, the point i was going to make none of these guys will ever admit they're wrong not the media not the social media not people like fauci or collins because if they admit they're wrong on early treatment, that they suppressed this, they sabotaged it, uh, the implication in terms of the number of lives lost that didn't need to be, you know, didn't need to die, uh, is it's that pretty not horrific. Criminal? Again, I, 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 crime is a completely different standard, as opposed to, you know, again, I don't, I don't know, I can't answer the question why, I can't answer the question what happened. But I, I do know an awful lot that did happen. And again, my, my, my primary purpose here is to make people aware, get the science out there, make sure the science is accurate, by the way. Okay, again, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical researcher. I have to rely on the Dr. Corey's, the McCulloch's, uh, the Dr. Yeadon's, uh, those people. And again, my, my job is, is transparency and make the public aware. Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about what they've been whacking you for. Um, which is your comments about the uh, vaccine, the statistics in the VAERS system, the vaccine adverse reaction system, okay? Clearly, clearly, whether or not, whether or not you um, believe that the vaccines are safe and effective or not, that doesn't matter. The VAERS reports in terms of uh, vaccine, for these vaccines, the VAERS reports are off the charts in terms of uh, you know, vaccine uh, injuries and deaths off the charts. And what is interesting to me is what they do when you mention these high statistics, they come back with, oh yes, he's a conspiracy theorist because the FDA and the CDC say there is no direct correlation necessarily between these adverse reactions and these reactions and and the um, and and the vaccines and they have they have um, 
I think it's the CDC has looked at over 5,000 of these and determined that none of them are connected to vaccines. And we think, this, I saw this in MSNBC, that conspiracy theorists are, are you know, they, the implication that they, they were implying that conspiracy theorists are calling the VAERS hotline to report injuries where there are none. And I'm not kidding you. When I read that on, in the MSNBC report, just the recent one, you know, talking about you and your uh, conspiracy theory uh, comments about VAERS, I was speechless. I was like, excuse me? Over 5,000 of these things? So 5,000 conspiracy, more than 5,000 conspiracy theorists have, you know, they got the VAERS number, they went through this whole, and, and over 5,000 reactions and not one of them is from, it just makes me want to start an independent, my own independent study of these people who called into the VAERS and to see by what measure, because the, the CDC said the measure was, uh, we looked at all the available medical evidence. We looked at their files. We looked at the autopsies. And I forget what else they looked at. But anyway, the available medical information on these patients. I just, I find it absolutely hard to believe that not one of those more than 5,000 were adverse reactions. Well, the VAERS system is public, not, so you can actually, you can actually read uh, what's, what's, what, what's being put in there. Uh, one thing like that is fingernails on the chalkboard to me is when I hear people say there's no evidence. Okay, I've heard this throughout my investigation. There's no evidence. Well, there's no evidence if you don't look for it. Uh, so they're saying that now about VAERS, but you know, VAERS is the early reporting system set up by the CDC. It's publicly available information. It's far from perfect. You know, one, one of the biggest uh, problems with it is it grossly underreports, underreports adverse right. uh, events. Uh, there was a Harvard study said it probably only captured about 1%. Now, I think with COVID, you know, people are becoming more aware of it. So my guess is it's capturing a, a much higher percentage than that. But, but, but here are the stats. So the VAERS has been up and running for 31 years now. So over those 31 years, billions of doses of just flu vaccine, much less all these other vaccines, they've had five, reports of 5,036 deaths over 31 years. Uh, in COVID, uh, they've had a total of 4,812 deaths now to date. More been reported, but that's what's landed, you know, once they've been vetted, 4,812. Seven, 1,736 of those deaths occurred on day zero, one, or two. Now, again, VAERS is not proof of causation or zero, necessarily one or correlation. Two, uh, wait, zero, one, or two? Day zero, one or two. Oh, oh, within, okay, okay yeah. so, oh, so so immediately, so in other words, basically immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over six hundred on the day you got the vaccine. Over center seven hundred on the day after the vaccine, and over I think three or four hundred on the two days after. So again, okay, it doesn't prove causation, but it sure does set up alarms, and it's been setting off alarms in my mind for quite some time. I I, I asked a. Dr. Collins about this in a, in a private meeting with a group of, of senators about the VAERS system when we were probably at around 3,000 deaths, he just pretty well blew me off. Said, Senator, that, you know, we, we only have six, six uh, deaths that we've uh, 
related to the vaccine, and those are the, the young women that uh, were of childbearing age uh, with clots, only six. He said, you know, but Senator, people die. They die of heart attacks. So uh, there, there's no proof. There's no evidence that this is related to the vaccine. Uh, so he blew that off. But the fact of the matter is there have been over 400,000 adverse events reported on the VAERS system associated with, with COVID. Uh, our discussion with the CDC, CDC says about 10% of those are serious. And one little chart I did for my event 10 yesterday. 10% is 40,000. I know, I know 40,000. That's a lot of but people. Again, oh, I know, but, but it's, it's, again, according to them, it's minor. You know, it's, it's, it's rare. So don't worry about it. But let me combine both of these things. Because one chart I did for my uh, event uh, highlighting the stories of people with neurological uh, adverse events, uh, I put up a, a comparison chart of different drugs being reported on the VAERS system. So in 30 years, 31 years of reporting, ivermectin had 44 deaths. In 30, 31 years, hydroxychloroquine had 592 deaths reported. In six months, the COVID vaccine has had 4,812 deaths. And really interestingly, remdesivir, you know, th this drug that costs $3,000 per patient that has is an emergency use authorization, doesn't reduce deaths according to the studies. That Fauci, that Fauci, by the way, in pushed, pushed that you know, people on the panel approving it had ties to Gilead, the manufacturer. It's had 1,173 deaths over the course of about uh, a year. Um, 1,173. And still- so, By the way, still, Tylenol has had 18,000 deaths over 31 years. So, okay, so, and still, I'm gonna, I know I sound like a broken record. You don't see any criminality here. No, I, I, I can't, I, I'm not gonna go there because I, I don't have proof. I, I, I'm on a different mission right now, okay? I know, I know that's what you want. I know a lot of people wanna prove that. Right now, I'll settle for, trying to prevent harm, trying to prevent deaths by making people aware of the fact there is early treatment. And if you already had COVID, you probably shouldn't get vaccinated. That's, that's been actually, people have been warning that before the vaccine actually got uh, approved. And I certainly am encouraging the, the agencies don't short circuit the approval process. Let these things go through the full phase two, the full phase three observational studies, which take years. You know, there should be no approvals till the very end of 2022, early 2023. But right now there's a big push to get these approved. Why? So we can give these to children under 12. Now, I personally think, again, I, I was a big supporter of Operation Warp Speed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-vaccine. I've got every other vac vaccination. I had COVID. I have, not get, I have not got the COVID vaccine. But I think vaccines should be administered based on medical necessity. Nobody should be pressured, coerced, or fear reprisal yeah, but for kids, not getting them. I mean, doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, researcher after researcher after you have said kids are not really, uh, they're not the ones affected by this, by this, by COVID. Precisely. And they should so not why, be vaccinated. So why is there a push to vaccinate people? Why is there a push? To get a shot in every arm. Why are why are governors offering in lottery type incentives to people yes. to get vaccinated? Why? Again, the, why? Why? I, I I cannot answer that question. I know you want to leap to criminality. I'm settling for making people aware and trying to prevent an early approval 
which would allow children to get vaccinated. Again, what one person at our event yesterday, a mother, I, I feel so sorry for Stephanie, who enrolled her children in the 12 to 15 year old Pfizer trial. Pfizer trial. One child got placebo, is fine. The second child got one dose, but got COVID. So he was kicked out of the trial. Her 12 year old daughter, who's now 13, Maddie, got both doses after the second dose ex has experienced severe neurological problems. She's in a wheelchair. She's been oh, in the God. hospital for, for weeks, okay? She can't swallow. She can't, she has a feeding tube in. Now that's the video of that testimony has been labeled misleading by Twitter. It was that kind of testimony. It had four other women suffering severe neurological problems. Just tell their story. And all the news media could do is attack me for reducing people's confidence in the vaccine. And I guess I'm gonna be responsible now for vaccine hesitancy. Uh, and by the way, the more people I talk to, they're not vaccine hesitant. I'm not vaccine hesitant, but I am reluctant to be coerced into participating in the largest vaccine drug trial in human history. And other people are as well. So I'm about transparent information. Again, I, I know you wanna maybe go to another place, I'll settle for providing the public uh, the information so that we can reduce death, reduce harm that Look, could be avoidable. I, I just wanna, I wanna make something really clear. It's not that I wanna go there. It's that I have spoken to so many firsthand sources. I am an investigative reporter. I've been one for a million years. And I have spoken to enough frontline doctors from around the world. And they all have the same story. We're trying to treat these people and we're being stopped at the highest levels by our government officials and, and by our health officials. And we are also being stopped by the World Health Organization. And so when it, I it, hear- I always, always add in conjunction with the media and the social media. They would not get away yes. with this with an honest and but unbiased here's the media. Thing. But here's the thing. As complicit as the media is, it is not their job or responsibility to make sure that people's lives are protected, to make but, sure that lives but, are saved. It is not their job. But, but, but Christine, they're doing, they're doing the exact opposite of it not being their job. They are attacking people like me People like these good doctors that are trying to tell the truth. They're attacking people. They're, we're Look, being labeled as conspiracy theory. There's, we're being censored. We're being suppressed. I know. So, 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 so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty darn hard to go even the next step and, and go down the road of criminality. Or, or, you, know, you, but listen, you want me I, to tell I, you I, something, I, Senator? I'm going to tell you something. Sure. I used to be a mainstream producer. No, I, I know you were. Networks, okay? And I know what it's like when you hit a third rail issue where the official sources and the powers that be, they want this story to be told. And yet you're, you're discovering the truth on the ground is very different, okay? I experienced that. I became a whistleblower. I published two books on the matter, okay? I am here to tell you that the corruption in mainstream journalism is utterly complete. You cannot have a job, especially a big job, okay, in, in mainstream journalism without knowing 
where those lines are, what narratives you're, it's okay for you to, uh, and, and you get your marching orders on those big narratives, okay? And you either go along with it or you get out. That's it, okay? And the people who go along with it, go along with it because yes, you get it's nice money. Maybe they wanna believe it. Maybe they trust these, these people when over and over and over we know often on these big stories, people are being lied to. The run up to the Iraq war, perfect example, okay? So, but again, it is a public service. It is a public service responsibility to tell the truth to the public. But the public is not paying you. You're being paid by your outlet, whoever. That, that is not to say, because in my view, if you're a journalist, no matter who you're working for, you work for the public first. That's my personal view. That's how I have operated. But most people, I work for CBS, I work for CNN, I work for this or that, okay? But the people whose salaries directly come from the pockets of the public, that's where the rubber meets the road. I pay you to protect me. Dr. Which, Fauci, which, which, I pay you, my senator and congressman, I pay these people to look after my interests. And that's what's which, going on. Which, 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 which is what I'm trying to do. Okay, first of all, I, I don't deny, I think the mainstream media is thoroughly corrupt. When I talk about investigative journalists, I'm talking about people like you, people like John Solomon, people like uh, uh, Cheryl Atkinson. I mean, there, there are still investigative journalists, you know, the Federalists, the Wall, you know, the Wall Street Journal. I mean, there, there are conservative outlets that are getting the truth out, but they're being drowned out by the mainstream media. But I think you also have to understand you have to be effective. And one of the things the mainstream media is trying to do to me is just not only destroy me, Yes, but but certainly marginalize me so that anything I say will have no impact, will have no effect. I mean, I, I think I'm having an impact because they're still attacking me. They're still trying to marginalize me. But the truth does have some currency. So, you know, I, I'm taking one step at a time. You know what you could do. I, 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 I can't I can't voice all of I can't tell you everything I know. I can't voice all of my suspicions. I can only convey to the public what I have pretty well nailed down that I think is absolutely bulletproof, irrefutable, so that I can try and help save as many lives as possible. That, that's the route I'm taking. I, it may not satisfy you, it may not be fast enough for you, but that's my judgment in terms of how I have to do this, or I get completely blown up and then I'll have no impact. Let, let's face well, it, let there, 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 there aren't many people like me I know. willing to do what I'm doing, okay? I know. Will, willing to just completely blow up any potential political career I might want, and I really don't want one, okay? Uh, so it's one of the things that's liberating. I, I'd just soon go home, okay? But, so there aren't many people like me. Um, so I, I, don't, I realize that, and so I don't want to be marginalized. I want to be able to carry this message. I want to be able to convey the truth to the American public as best I possibly can. Let me just ask you one last question. Would you consider possibly suing the press for defamation? Oh, I've, uh, <laughs> I've already taken a couple shots across the bow with uh, some just hit pieces that I know were coming out that we were asked for responses. And we asked for written questions. I, I produced written responses. And I, 
I warned them. I said, if, if you continue with this article without providing my, my uh, response, you know, I'm going to view this as, uh, I'm trying to think of the legal term, uh, purposefully malicious, or there's a, there's a legal term. And so I've, I've run that, you know, shot that uh, across their bow. Uh, so no, I, I absolutely have uh, considered that, but it, it's an, it's it, but but it's an, yeah, it's it's definitely dampened the criticism to a certain extent. But yeah, you know, it's, they still have their bias, and it's incredibly difficult for a public figure to uh, successfully sue at any media outlet. I mean, we're, we're we're public, and you can say just about anything you want to about us. Yeah, that is that is it's it's just like they're tr in every way. You are, I, I have to tell you, I have to commend you for sitting in this very tight box, but still getting the word out to the best of your ability on what you think will save lives. Well, Christine, first, 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 first of all, by the way, the, the term is actual malice, but the fact that doctors have come up to me after I put Corey, Dr. Corey on, on, uh, as called him as a witness in May, and he, his use of corticosteroids is saying, you, you saved my patient's life by doing that, because I totally rethought the way I was treating COVID, and now I'm saving people's lives with corticosteroids. The same thing's true of early treatment. It, it should be so much more widespread. S countless lives could have been saved, but some lives were saved. So, I mean, to me, that's kind of a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be destroyed politically if I can save just one life. We're, 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 I think we're saving, we're saving a lot of lives, uh, and and the people that are on this journey with me, the, the doctors that, that have been, that have lost their positions, that are also being attacked, you know, it's it's kind of a small group, unfortunately, because everybody else is participating in groupthink. You know, you have science, you have medicine, so corrupted by government grant money, billions of dollars going out to, uh, you know, different hospital associations and research centers. So you you're not going to buck, you're not going to counter or write thing contrary to what the Fauci's, the, the Collins of the world uh, wants you to write. So a completely corrupt science, it's completely corrupted medicine. You know, look at, look at these, uh, these medical journals. I mean, the doctors I'm talking to are, they are just aghast at the fraudulent papers, how they can't get uh, uh, their information uh, even peer reviewed. They're being denied the independent review boards to peer review their, their research. There is something really, really wrong going on right now. Uh, again, I, I don't have the capability of piecing it all together and, and presenting it to a court of law, but I'm doing everything I can to uncover it. And when I when I have it, and I, it's bulletproof, it's irrefutable. I'm not afraid to, to making that public and doing everything I can to widely disseminate the information as much as I'm being suppressed, as much as I'm being censored.